0: If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting Glass Tire. All of the money we raise, since we are a nonprofit, goes right back into our coverage of Texas's art and artists. Our coverage is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Art Dirt. This is the Glass Tire Podcast where we talk about topical art topics. I'm William Saradet.
1: I'm Jessica Fuentes.
0: And today we are here to talk about Meow Wolf Grapevine. Um, Meow Wolf, the Santa Fe-based experiential installation company has expanded to Texas. They, at the time of this Publication. they should be open at their new Grapevine location, which is titled The Real Unreal. Their first day is scheduled for July 14th, 2023. And Jessica and I both had the privilege of visiting it uh, during the preview period. And I myself recently traveled with Julie Liebersat, she's a professor at Texas Women's University in Denton, um, and she has many years experience going to Santa Fe and uh, exhibiting new media work, so I thought she would be a great lens through which to view the group's first installation in Santa Fe, which we did. Um, so I just say that as a quick preface that Within the span of a couple weeks, I saw the first and the most recent installation, and I have not been able to visit Meow Wolf anytime outside of that. So it's still pretty fresh for me. Uh, What about you, Jessica? Do you have very much experience with the Meow Wolf um, installation extravaganza?
1: So I've only been to the Santa Fe location previously, and I went there maybe about three years ago with my family. Um, So going with young kids in tow was a little bit of a different experience than going to the preview days for the newly installed piece here in Grapevine.
0: Yeah, now that I think about it, it was mostly adults, maybe exclusively adults. When I visited, I'm struggling to remember if I saw any toddlers in that low lighting uh, environment, but definitely in the queue, it was all adults when when I visited Um, I went with a group of friends who had gotten their hands on preview tickets and they invited me to go and I said well I've got preview tickets myself but it's better with friends and I guess it's relevant to say during our visit they had kind of rescheduled their preview slots there were supposed to be tours happening every 40 minutes but they had to wipe a couple hours of that to reset the installation. And um so to say, we didn't get to go during our scheduled time slot, and we had to wait a couple hours. And then we got in, and we were able to have the full experience, or at least... You know, it looked 95% done on install. I think you went on the same day, Jessica, just at a different time.
1: Yeah, I think I went earlier in the day. My my question to you is, how long did you spend? And I wonder how long Meow Wolf expected people to spend, um, given the time slots that they had created.
0: Oh, man, 40 minutes is like maybe if you spent 2 seconds in every room <laughs> you could do it in 40 minutes you know mm-hmm. uh we definitely spent an hour and a half um i'll gesticulate a little bit here cuz i wasn't time stamping our experience while we went uh so that hour and a half would include a little bit of time in the gift shop we did buy some cute things um And then I wanted to see what their food offerings were because that is just, I don't know, it's icing on the cake for an experiential exhibit. If you can kind of, if you're expected to be there for two hours, you might want an empanada, right, (laughs) Um, at some point. But we did not push ourselves to see every single possible thing in Meow Wolf. And there were like... You know, just a little bit of there was a little bit of difficulty to find everything partially, I would say, because if some walls are not completely painted, it kind of breaks the wayfinding experience. So I think we were trying to be gentle to the building, if, if that makes sense. How long did you spend?
1: Yeah, uh, that totally makes sense about being gentle to the building, I spent over two hours and only left because I had other time commitments that I needed to get to. Um, But I feel like I could have spent much more time. I kind of walked away thinking, wow, I spent two hours at Meow Wolf, and it was incredible and interesting. But I also knew nothing about the narrative still when I left. And I think part of that is because if you don't know where to start to find the narrative, which is mostly in the house, or in my case, there were a lot of people already in the house kind of at those spots. And so I didn't want to wait. Um, so I just we just kind of powered through and, and went into all of the different spaces um, without much direction about what we were looking for. So I don't know if that's a pro or a con, but it was interesting.
0: You know, Jessica, you and I both wrote about Meow Wolf this week for Glass Tire. Um, I was recapping my experience in Santa Fe, among other things that I saw there with Julie Leversat. And then you wrote a uh, very sizable piece about your experience at the Real Unreal, the newest Grapevine location in which you get a bunch of angles from um, locals, workers, artists, patrons, which I think is really useful because Meow Wolf engenders so many different kinds of people. It's really interesting to hear what different people think about it. And for me, I think I related a lot to the account that you gathered from Anne Lenhart, the Director of Collections and Exhibitions at the Meadows Museum. And in your piece, you write, quote, Miss Lenhart advised that people who have issues with sensory overload or anxiety in large crowds should look into purchasing tickets at unpopular time slots, end quote. And I I kind of echo that sentiment um, specifically in the realm of like, if you're trying to engage with this place, As a narrative installation and not purely just like an installation which you can enjoy um, walking through and looking at. Both in Santa Fe and Grapevine I would kind of come across parts of the storytelling maybe postcards in the mailbox or um, a videotape playing on the TV and I just felt like my brain was so far away from being able to like synthesize what was being said with what I was like walking through and experiencing I felt like it might take me a solid three or four visits to like put it all together but that could be personal I don't I don't know if I feel comfortable criticizing Meow Wolf for their storytelling strategy I just thought oh my gosh, I my brain cannot handle all of this right now.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I feel like I'm excited to go back. Um, but even before speaking with Anne, I was already thinking, okay, maybe I'll go back once school starts and I'll pick a weekday when everybody is at work and at school. Um, because... I do want to go back and explore the narrative, but I can't imagine doing it at a time like the preview day where there were just so many people around. And I don't know if that's necessarily a criticism because, I mean, when I think about truly great art, one of the things about art is that it changes every time you revisit it, right? you bring something new to it, you see something new in it, and you get to continue to explore it at various levels over extended periods of time. And so I think in that way, Meow Wolf is very much like that. It's a thing that you can come and have a very surface level experience with where it's like, oh, this is beautiful and interesting, but it's also something that you can come back to time and again and really explore and analyze the depths of it. And it seems like, that's almost endless um, with such a large space, such a large sprawling space that has so many rabbit holes to venture down.
0: You know, theme parks and even experiential exhibitions are not like, it's not like Meow Wolf invented them. Obviously, we have Disneyland and and Six Flags and other things like that. But Meow Wolf has done a really interesting thing where they've kind of kept the integrity of an artist being given the vision of how to transform a room, but they didn't just pick a couple people and put them in a gallery for six weeks. They've really invested in a massive floor plan and then got as many people as they could to fill it from floor to ceiling with stuff, with installations, designs, original artwork. And when I was walking through the House of Eternal Return in Santa Fe with Julie Lieversat, she was kind of, because she has so much experience in Santa Fe, she was saying, oh, I know who that is. I know who that artist is. I know who that artist is. And then we started to encounter rooms where her reaction was, oh, I think this is actually different. I think they actually have switched this out. I wonder who they chose to put in here. Um, And that started to make me think about it like in the way that they're kind of innovating art exhibition strategies. It doesn't feel incredibly archival. It feels like almost the opposite of archival. If people are going to walk on and touch your work, it means that you're gonna have to address that wear and tear over time. And it seems like they are doing that. I think we're just a little too early on in the Meow Wolf model to know, like, is the real Unreal a storyline that needs to stay and exist and be maintained over time? Or are they really going to just roll with the punches and have full-time engineers, basically, from storyline to installation to modify it as they see fit. I mean that sounds like that sounds like a like a wonder job, you know.
1: Yeah. Um I don't know, did you get a chance to speak with anybody on site who had created a room?
0: We did run into some people that were maybe on the install side of things. Um not the like the artists that are listed on all the promotional materials as the we didn't really speak to those people. It was a lot of and maybe this has to do with the day that we went, they seemed to really be juggling some operational struggles. Um, so some of the people contained within your photos, Jessica, in your piece were nowhere to be found when I went which was after a quote-unquote reset of the installation. Um, So I spoke to some people that I believe had a hand in the fabrication and the engineering, but not exactly like the artist narrative people.
1: Right. I ask um, because I did get a chance to speak with with a man who designed the for lack of a better word, I'm going to call it The Lightning Room. Um, And he was in the space when when me and my friend went in. And I kind of overheard him talking about it being his space. And so I asked him a little bit about, you know, what does that mean? What was your role? Um, And it was really interesting to hear him talk about how his space came together. um, Because he talked about it as this giant collaboration. Right, And that not only, of course, is Meow with like dozens and dozens of artists who are both doing their own thing and working together, but also kind of this collective unconscious of, you know, he was working in this one room and designing this one thing. And in the room next to him, somebody else was creating something that just happened to link up perfectly with what he was doing without them having spoken much about it. Um, And I don't know, I think there's something kind of magical about when you get a big group of creative people together.
0: I can bounce off of that by saying at both locations, I was struck at just how many people had on Meow Wolf um, staff shirts. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so many jobs. And it's a lot of different kinds of jobs. There's guest services, front of house, um, somebody has to operate the concessions, obviously, but then there's people that it sounds like they have dedicated fabrication space. They that you know it's for their job. They I don't know if they're allowed to do personal projects there, but it sounds pretty sweet to have a wood shop that you get to use on site. Um, and then there's the people that you mentioned just a minute ago, Jessica. All of the all of the creative and visual talent. Um, engineers, I just, I couldn't believe it, how populous the staff was. And that's something that to me seems to really, um, not that Meow Wolf is making this charge, but that's something to me that really challenges, like, the museum model. Um, And again, Meow Wolf is, like, not even 20 years old, uh, so we're all kind of, like, Myself, I'll say, I'm really paying attention and watching, like, what can they get away with under this model that has been completely foreclosed to other types of art workers? And that's really exciting.
1: What other kinds of things come to mind about what they can get away with?
0: There's a merchandising angle that Meow Wolf gets to have that not every other brand gets to have. Um, At the House of Eternal Return in Santa Fe, they had some Omega Mart merchandise on sale. And Omega Mart is the installation in Las Vegas. And part of that, I have not visited, but I know people that have. And of course, we've all seen pictures. It's the installation that looks like a grocery store, kind of. I believe that's like the initial kind of like front facing facade of the install before you go beyond the curtain and and find the secret sauce. Um, So I was thinking like, huh, it's really interesting they can have these comedic satirical fake grocery products in any Meow Wolf gift shop because it all probably kind of like corresponds and overlaps. And they like speak to each other. Um, And it also means that Meow Wolf can probably introduce products that speak to the storyline in their various gift shops. And at this point, they're going to have Las Vegas, Santa Fe, Denver, Grapevine, and soon Houston. Um, They're really, really growing their, their retail floor plan as well. So I just I was just kind of interested to see how they're strategizing like what they sell in the gift shop and like that's just really valuable square footage to emerging artists that are trying to get their aesthetic and their brand out there.
1: Do you think that there is a negative side to that kind of um, having artists have some version of their artwork? whether it be a puzzle, um, or something else, right? Like as an item that's being sold in a store?
0: Well, the immediate question that comes to mind, um, given that I have made a fair amount of art, but I've never had it licensed out to someone. So I don't know how this process works, but, um, Meow Wolf is like a really interesting, like giant art family utopia business up until the point that I start to ask like, okay, but is this installation on this wall, is that Meow Wolf intellectual property or does it belong to the artist? Some of these artists have developed these aesthetics over years and years and years. I can think of some people in the grapevine location that have been active in Dallas for 10 years or more. Well, what happens when you've got like a cast of characters or a symbol that you use a lot and you're putting it on Meow Wolf? Retroactively, is that a problem for all of the previous work you've made? Can you use that symbol in other work? I don't know like the literal boundaries of what artists like what part of them belongs to the organization. And this of course will be an increasingly important question to know the answer to if they're going to open in like every major market in North America and then the world. Um, When it's 250 or so locals in Santa Fe that kind of have grassroots grown this thing into a zeitgeist, That's a lot of people, but that's one thing. It's another thing when we're talking about Meow Wolf expanded to Grapevine and Las Vegas and and Denver. What exactly is their relationship to owning the culture that's being routed through those locations? I just, it's not a cynical question. I just literally don't know the answer.
1: Yeah, it would be really interesting to speak with some of the artists um and if they could share a little bit about what does that look like on their side of things
0: did you notice any similarities or improvements between santa fe and grapevine
1: for me when i went to santa fe i feel like there were some parts of the installation that were not functioning as they were intended and that is of course you know as you were speaking earlier that happens over time that requires upkeep um I'm hoping and assuming and thinking that that's something that Meow Wolf invests in um so perhaps it was just you know something that I witnessed that time that I was there um but yeah I, I think of course like the newness of everything at Grapevine it, as it is just opening um everything was that everything that i saw and everything that i encountered was working as it should be it was you know immaculate it was interesting um i felt like of course there were some similarities and aesthetics from like the uh black light areas with fluorescent paint and things like that but i don't recall um, at the Santa Fe version of Meow Wolf, them having lights that kind of changed, like down a hallway, and then also affected the way that the paint appeared to your eyes, that was a really interesting difference that I noticed. Um, it took me off guard at first.
0: There's definitely one room in the House of Eternal Return, which is a wall painting. Um, it's like almost a scenic painting of three or four colors and then the lights are rotating and so it's revealing different things. Um, but I wouldn't know if that's an original part of the installation or if that was developed at a later time in Meow Wolf's existence and they're kind of rotating it around Um, I also don't assume that the installation room I saw in Santa Fe is the same as the one you saw in Grapevine, even though they're using the same optical effect. I think going from Santa Fe to Grapevine in such close proximity really made it obvious to me um, that there is kind of like a few foundational aesthetic principles that they rely on. And that they're sticking to, probably because they know how to install them. Um, again, I don't. I don't know if there's like some copyright involved or some kind of like patented thing. Um, but anyway, I was just a little struck that uh, there were some rooms that I thought, oh, I I saw this room two weeks ago. It's not exactly inch by inch identical, but it's pretty strong, um, the similarities.
1: Were there any rooms that you found that were surprising? I mean, of course, the whole space is unexpected, but anything that was a favorite or that kind of took you back?
0: In the real Unreal, there's like a sort of refrigerator hub, um, which is kind of like the refrigerator door that opens to another world is one of the iconic visual things from uh, the original Santa Fe location. And so in the real Unreal, there's like a hub world where it's a ton of refrigerators. And you're sort of like in the the netherverse in, in the center. You're kind of like in an in-between space. And then you can go to other ones. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. I think the wayfinding in the Santa Fe location is a little more intentionally obfuscating and mysterious and weird and confusing. Um, I'm an able-bodied person. I don't have a lot of trouble getting in between spaces or whatever. And even I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, you guys want me to like crouch down to my knees to get into this place um, in Santa Fe? And then in Grapevine, at least the kind of like earliest parts of the installation, I thought, okay, cool. They've really widened out these hallways. Um, I I appreciate that because you need to be able to get people into it far enough that they feel like they're welcome before you start putting up like hard challenges because i understand like you're gonna want little children to like have fun and experience things and there's gonna be spaces that maybe is more geared toward them accessing it than like an adult but in Santa Fe, there were just enough moments where I was struggling to get through the space. And I thought, I don't I don't really want to be like pushed back against this hard. <laughs> um,
1: I felt this. I felt very similar. Um, I, you know, it's Texas and it's summer and it's hot. So I wore a dress and wedge heels and. Um, and found myself trying to crawl through holes and i was like oh this is going to be a problem um i was able to get through some spaces but there were definitely some things that i just couldn't do and wasn't going to try um but i did realize kind of as as i was facing some of these challenges i realized well there is another way to get into that room that's just that's not the only way to access it so in that regards it is accessible But it does um, feel like a drawback that not everything is easily accessible or the same kind of experience isn't accessible to everyone. Um, But again, a reason why I want to go back and dress appropriately. I would say one of the rooms that I was most excited about, and I included a photograph of it in the news piece that I just wrote this week, um, was this room that I personally would have never walked into on my own because from the outside it didn't look like a room you could enter Um, but the friend that I was with just reached over and opened the door and we went in and it was a mirrored mostly mirrored room also very cold which was nice and there was a large projection of a sunset um, and you could go and sit on these I don't know like black marble seats and there were these mirrored cubes all around you reflecting the projection and it was such a beautiful quiet space in the midst of all of the chaos out there um and that was really surprising i don't remember finding any of those kinds of spaces at the santa fe version but that was very nice
0: yeah yeah I I kept thinking of that room as the the Judd room, because um, it looked like metal boxes in a in a desert landscape, and I agree it was tranquil. I like kind of wasn't expecting that. Um, yeah, all to say like I I do feel like Meow Wolf learned has learned a few lessons in the past three or four installations. Um, it. I don't want to say that, like, the space doesn't feel accessible. I just, um, it's good to keep an open mind while you're going through the installation. And if it's crowded, which I suspect it very well may be during your visit, just keep going. And hopefully you can have enough time to plan for your visit that you don't need to feel rushed or pressured to discover or uncover everything very quickly. Because even if you go really fast, it's going to take you a long time. Um, there's so much to see. Well, Jessica, I'm just wondering if you have a favorite room or a favorite moment. Um, I know we've discussed some of them and maybe we don't want to give away every secret about the real unreal, but, um, Yeah, anything that you feel like was executed especially well?
1: I think aside from the calm, quiet room that we just spoke about, um, I also liked the piano room. So there's two pianos. There's one inside the house, um, which I found myself drawn to and just kind of tinkering with. And then as you go through into the Unreal, um, there's also a small piano room. Um, which has like just a lovely ambiance to it when you play the piano. I think I'll leave it at that.
0: In the arcade downstairs, it's relatively central to the exhibition, to the total install. The arcade machines are kind of like Kafka-esque. It's sort of strange to figure out what they're doing. Um, One of them has like, an infrared it looks like an infrared motion scanner that you wave your hand over and play and I just I kind of I think that was a moment where I I kind of wanted there to be less hustle and bustle so my body could get the feedback it needed to figure out what the machine was doing because I was like I just think that's such a An arcade console that has no buttons and no inputs it's just it just has to figure out what your hand is doing i was like that's so interesting and and fun and with that that is going to wrap it up for this week's art dirt we'll be back in two weeks with another episode but in the meantime be sure to check our statewide exhibition calendar and if you can go see some art
1: Go see some art.
0: This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2023.